0: Plus, six free strategy guides on a hot new game. That's twice the power for still 15 bucks. Wow! Call cool now! <laughs> Welcome everyone to Super Nintendo Podcast, your source for all things Nintendo. I am Eric, aka Asulior, and as you probably gathered from that ad that we heard at the beginning of the episode, today we are going to be talking about the Nintendo Power Magazine. Now, this was a staple for me when I was a kid because... It's height was really at a time before the internet became what it is today. And back in my younger days, we didn't have internet walkthroughs for video games, YouTube, things like that. So the way we talked about games or learned how to get through games was two ways. You either talked about it with your friends on the playground during recess or you looked for things like Nintendo Power, so we will be talking about that in today's episode. But before we get to that, we do have a little bit of news. We got a couple of things about Pokemon today in the news. So Pokemon, um, Pokemon Home. This is going to be getting an update here pretty soon, according to the rumors. So when uh, Pokemon Uh, Diamond and Pearl came out at at the end of last year. It didn't have Pokemon Home support and I reported that the word was that that's gonna be happening sometime this year. Uh, It didn't say when, but according to Rumblings that's gonna be happening this month and I really hope that that's true because I've kinda been stuck in the Elite Four. so. A lot of the Pokémon that I have are part Ice-type, so I started with Piplup, and when you get to Empoleon, it is part Ice-type. Well, the problem with that is is that one of the Elite Four specializes in Ground-type Pokémon, so they all know Earthquake, which is disastrous for Ice-types, so you need a Grass-type. So I'm like, okay, no big deal. I can get a Grass-type, no problem. So, I went with a Snow, um, which was a very poor life choice, because yes, it's part Grass-type, but it's also part Ice-type. So, um, I've got plenty of pure Grass-types in Pokemon Home, but I can't transfer them into Pokemon Brilliant Diamond yet. So, there's that. Um, So yeah, hopefully they will add uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shiny Pearl and Pokemon Legends Arceus to Pokemon Home this month. And uh, yeah, that looks to be true if the rumors are to be true. So um, yeah, here's open. Uh, in other news, uh, as far as Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl go, there is a uh, mystery gift that you can get right now Uh, via the Internet. So if you go to uh, the said mystery gift, you get what is called a member item. So what this does, and you have till the beginning of May to get this. So this is only good for this month, April of 2022. So And this is good through May uh, 2022. Uh, to get the item I should uh, clarify that so you get the item and you have to beat the Pokemon League or obtain the National Pokedex and you go to New Moon Island and the mythical Pokemon Darkrai will be there waiting for you to catch it so there you go I'm getting a a freebie there Um, yeah you still have to do the work to catch the Darkrai But you now have the opportunity to. So uh, thank you, uh, Game Freak, for that. Other news uh, let's see. Wii Switch Sports has a new trailer that is out now. So definitely go check that out. I'm looking forward, really looking forward to that game. um, So my wife can kick my ass in bowling again. So that comes out April 29th. So I am very looking, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um,. Some sad news for Legend of Zelda fans like myself, that has now been pushed back to spring of 2023. Um, That was set to come out this year, they didn't really say when, but I guess now it needs a little bit more time in the oven, which in all actuality isn't a bad thing, Um, as long as it's good, which I have full confidence that it will be see other news the uh, Nintendo switch online service has three new games that came out so let's take a look at these we have two SP versions uh, that are on the Super Nintendo we've got Super Mario World and Super Mario I'm sorry not Super Mario Super Punch-Out so SP versions basically mean that you start with a bunch of items uh, and you're basically set to finish the game. So, yeah, cool. Um, The third game that they uh, sprung on us is Earthworm Earthworm Jim 2. Now, if you remember the 90s, clearly like I do, Earthworm Jim was awesome. Um, (laughs) Such a funny, uh, bizarre... uh, There was a cartoon that went along with it, too. But I think I played the sega versions of these games i didn't play the snes version but yeah earthworm jim awesome character voiced by dan Castellaneta, who does homer simpson uh he also appeared in clay fighters if you remember clay fighters from either the super nintendo or the n64 uh that character is in that so yeah um Finally in the news, we've got some news about Kirby and the Forgotten Land that is out now. And apparently it is Jap- uh, excuse me, Japan's biggest Kirby launch ever. So I myself have not played it, but my good friend KDB has. So let's hear what he has to say about this game.
1: Greetings Earthlings, and thank you to Sulior. It's KDB here once again for the Super Nintendo podcast. And today is a, a sort of in-progress review, early reaction to a new game type segment. Um, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what my segments on this show will be. Um, I've made a few suggestions to eric and he's kind of fine with whatever but yeah i think it's going to be pretty fluid and yeah just give me a chance to talk about nintendo stuff um so yes with that in mind um it was payday this week uh which means i was finally able to pick up a new game for the switch and that game that i'm going to be giving my initial reaction to today is kirby and the forgotten land So yes, Kirby, Uh, this game released just over a week ago um, and to quite a lot of fanfare, it's the first proper 3D Kirby adventure and it currently sits with an 85 score on Metacritic and an 8.9 user score which, you know, let's be honest, that's pretty fantastic. I'm sure Hal and Nintendo are very happy to see that. Um, how much stock you want to put into uh, Metacritic is obviously down to you. I don't actually hang all my gaming decisions off of those scores. Um, I usually tend to find trusted reviewers and such like that. But you know, sometimes they can be. These websites can be a good place to give a broad generalisation, uh, as long as people haven't been review bombing positive or negative, negatively, which which does happen from time to time. Uh, But anyway, that aside, uh, much of the response I've seen on Twitter has been positive. Um, I don't think I've actually seen a single complaint about the game. Um, Yeah, with many people kind of praising its cute and fun style, uh, has diverse gameplay with different abilities. And the kind of general feeling that I get is that people think this might be one of the best Kirby games ever and even some hardcore fans that I've seen you know just kind of looking and seeing what people saying uh, hardcore fans of the franchise saying it takes their top spot as the best Kirby game ever so yeah it's uh, something to take notice of I think. Um, For me I wouldn't call myself a hardcore fan obviously I know the character but I don't think I've played a Kirby game that wasn't on you know the Game Boy or the Super Nintendo and kind of just oh, also just playing you know playing as Kirby in Super Smash Bros as well. Um, So yeah any opinions I kind of give today they're not really coming from a place of devotion to the franchise and I think I would say this is really the only time I've ever been hyped about um, a Kirby game before its release so yeah and whether that's down to the game or just the marketing, who knows? But yeah, I, I, I got very excited. Um, my initial reaction was back on the, I guess it was the Nintendo Direct when they first showed a trailer. I can't remember off the top of my head if that was at the start of this year or late last year. Um, but for me, I remember because I'm a big fan of uh, stylized games, um, you know, we live in this age of very high-end graphics. So when you see something like this, uh, it, it instantly caught my eye. And the more I saw of it, the more intrigued I became. And it's funny because uh, another thing, as a parent, I kept thinking, oh, my, my son is going to love watching me play this. And uh, he may even want to try it out himself. Uh, so you have this weird thing as a parent where you look at games almost a little bit differently sometimes because you're always thinking of that other person that lives with you that, you know, it isn't might not be a partner or something, but that if it's a child, it's like, oh, will they enjoy this. And yeah, it's the same with movies and everything. Um, my son's still very young, but uh, he did this year have his first official go on a video game, um, so I'm sure it won't be long before he's playing them more and more. And yeah, I remember seeing Kirby and thinking, yeah, he's he's going to like that. Um, so anyway, yes, I've been excited for the game to come out, and when I saw the reviews, my initial... Uh, I saw the reviews and then the initial reactions from other people, this kind of sealed the deal for me. And uh, Payday came this past week, I picked it up that evening, uh, and last night and, so uh, Friday night, no, Thursday night and uh, Friday night, which was last night, recording this on Saturday, uh, I spent a good few hours playing. Um, It's not possible for me to give a full review here because I think I'm still fairly early in the game but I wanted to give my own initial reactions and sort of tell you how it's going. Um, Yeah so I guess I'll start with the visuals which honestly I think you'd be hard-pressed to not find some joy in these visuals. It has you know the charm you expect from a Nintendo IP and in particular a character like Kirby. It's very it's kind of cartoon cartoony cartoonesque, bright and colorful and cute. And this is a brilliant fre- uh, breath of fresh air for my own gameplay for the past month uh, because I which has mostly been Elden Ring. And yeah, I won't get into that, uh, but there's a bit of contrast there. Um but here in in Kirby, the uh yeah, it's bright and colorful and yeah, it's it's just very nice to look at. Uh, The pre-rendered cutscenes look superb, Uh, they're the type of thing, I think when people see them, it just kind of, it almost begs for, you know, a new, a Kirby movie or a TV series when you see how good that type of animation and these characters can look. Uh, So yeah, those cutscenes look, yeah, they look amazing, I really, really, really enjoy them. Uh, Resolution is 1080p when docked, and I'm playing on a 4K TV when docked, and the lower res It is noticeable, but if you have a good TV, you know, the upscaling that it does on better TVs can be better, so it should look fine, and it does look fine, it looks good, but you know, after coming off playing 4K games and then jumping to this, you can see a difference, certainly initially, you know, while your eyes adjust to it. Um, And then in 720p uh, in portable mode, which is where it probably looks the best, to be honest, and... Excuse me. I don't have a Switch OLED, but I'm sure this game just pops beautifully on that model. Uh, gameplay itself runs at 30 FPS, which is a bit of a shame. But you know, you'd think the, the simple nature of the style would allow for 60 frames per second. But I guess with the kind of gameplay diversity, uh, the size of the game, and the Switch's age it's kind of a compromise that had to be made and it's fine you know this won't bother some people at all but for me personally i think platformers like this should absolutely be running in 60 fps but anyway um yeah so big thumbs up on the visuals there generally across the board Uh, character wise kirby is front and center and generally has kind of been stealing the show Uh, there's a lot to enjoy from the other characters and the look of the enemies a lot of them are which as i say are very cute and there's these uh Uh, Puppy, fox, things... I can't remember if they're called... I was going to say fuzzy beasts. I don't think it's fuzzy beasts. I think it's something beasts. Um, But yeah, Uh, the uh, expressions the characters give off, they kind of say so much. And, you know, this is a game with no to minimal dialogue. So the animation style, it has to be done well for you to, uh, to connect with the characters. And I found myself... You know, engaging with them and smiling, and yeah, it it definitely got my son's seal of approval because he was kind of cackling away at the characters on the screen. So that's good. Um, what else? So gameplay, yeah, because I think that about does it for the visuals, gameplay wise, which is the main aspect, I suppose. We're talking about a game here. Uh, this is, of course, a platformer um, with a camera. The camera kind of follows behind Kirby and moves around. It kind of goes from like behind and then goes to top down and side scrolling when it needs to and the camera moves automatically you can't really move it yourself you can move it a little bit but not much and you just kind of you as the player focus on navigating obstacles and enemies Uh, and there are a couple of spots where maybe the camera you know you may not be able to exactly see where you're going but i think i found generally this is because you don't need to go in that direction so yeah, camera-wise and playing and navigating, the game does guide you quite well, and it's quite you know it's it's quite easy to get around. Um, the The gist of the game, like I say, is to navigate the levels. Uh, you rescue uh, the Waddle Dees who have been kidnapped. Uh, you collect coins, find hidden secrets, and you know face off with various enemies uh, using Kirby's swallow skill, uh, where you can absor- uh, observe absorb different abilities, and uh, this presents a lot of fun because there's always new abilities to discover uh, a new kind of move set with each one if you like for Kirby to utilize and um, I think most of the abilities they just seem to focus on you know they have either a melee or a ranged attack so like a sword or a a boomerang uh, or a fireball and uh, yeah each ability has like a combo and a charge attack too so there's diversity there and ways to uh, the ways to attack things and it, it kind of feels fresh, you know, as you're playing. And generally it's up to you how you use them, you know, you're not locked in, you can switch between the abilities. You can't switch between them all the time, but, you know, you can drop one if there's another one nearby and choose which one you want to pick up. Um, yeah, and there are po- some points, I think, in some of the levels where a certain attack is definitely going to be more useful than another. But there, there is freedom there to the gameplay, which I do enjoy. Um, and then I think one of the biggest additions to the Kirby character... Sorry, I'm just going to have a sip of coffee. Because so I'm talking non-stop. <clears throat> yeah, so one of the big additions, as I understand it, is a new ability called Mouthful Mode. Uh, which, if you've seen the trailer, you will have seen where Kirby swallows the car. So, yeah, on top of any ability you've already absorbed... You'll come across things like cones, like traffic cones, cars, vending machines, steps. um, What else have I seen? Uh, Lockers and stuff like that. And this is where so Kirby kind of swallows them and then takes the shape of the object. And they each give you like a, a new skill or a new thing that you can do. So the car, you can drive really fast and the vending machine, you can spit drinks cans at enemies. Um and then there's points in the levels where you'll need to use mouthful mode to progress. Uh, it's I think at least efficiently anyway. Um and yeah, this is another part of the gameplay which just feels super fun. Um it's actually really funny to you know, you can't kind of help but laugh when Kirby's taking the shape of like a vending machine or a cone or something like that. So yeah, I found myself kind of chuckling and laughing at some of the actions you have to take. Um what else? So each level has secrets too. Um, You're given, like when you start the level you're given a checklist but the objectives, some of them are hidden Uh, and then at the end of the level it tells you what you missed and then you can go back. And you don't need to find everything to progress, I think you have to collect a certain number of waddle dees to progress past the area. Um, But yeah there's other little things you could do, things you can collect and stuff and which adds repay, replay value so if you're like me and you want to you know 100% the game uh there's lots to be doing and yeah I'm a big fan of that um what else controls yes let's talk about the controls so i i suppose controls are okay to good i'm not really sure I'd call them great um i think they're definitely my biggest if not only gripe about the game, at least so far from what I've played. Um, essentially movement is fine and it does these little tricks where it's sort of it, moving around in a direction uh, navigating with the cameras. I think there's little tricks it does to make it easier for you uh, and there's like very subtle lock-ons to enemies as well. Um, but because there are so many abilities um, that you can absorb you kind of find yourself jumping between having no ability and ability and a mouthful mode, and I have on occasion found myself fumbling for the right button, um, which is weird because there's only like you only use like two but two or three buttons mainly. Uh, yeah, it's not a complex controller sort of layout, but yeah, I definitely found myself fumbling around uh, even up until last night. And, you know, I dropped something when I didn't mean to drop it or cancel my flying when I didn't want to or or jump when I wasn't supposed to jump or whatever. And it's, it's not bad. It works fine. Uh, it, I just think it's sort of unique to most games. So there is definitely a bit of a learning curve if you want to become a bit of a pro, uh, which I'll kind of touch on again in a minute. Um, and yeah, but that being said, I haven't really found myself dying because of this. Uh, not yet, anyway. Um The game is fairly non-punishing again so far and it's just been really fun to play you know with like classic platforming mixed in with some light puzzling action and I feel like it might get more difficult along the way I'm only like six or seven levels in so yeah still very early Um, and when you first start the game it lets you choose like an easy or a hard mode I think it's called wild mode um, and I chose that harder mode, but I've had no real trouble so far. It's, yeah, just a lot of fun. Um, so generally, yeah, gameplay gameplay is diverse. It's funny, unique controls, but I am having a blast. So, yeah, no big complaints, really. Just, yeah, sm- slight learning curve with the controls. Uh, sound and audio-wise, uh, pretty good. The, I have found that some of the level music is a bit repetitive. Um, the sound design is brilliant. There's like amazing sound effects, character grunts, their expressive noises, all that kind of thing. You know, uh, collection noises, all the things you expect from a platformer. But the level soundtrack itself, it is pleasing, and it's, but as pleasing as it is, it just wears thin because it, it they, they seem like they're very short, and it just repeats the same thing over and over. Um, and if you're exploring a level, trying to hunt down like a secret or a collectible you've missed you I was noticing that (laughs) I was noticing the same loop of music and it was sort sort of driving me a bit bit mad but um yeah I don't think this is a soundtrack I'll be listening to outside of the game but there may be different versions of the tracks out there that I'm not hearing so yeah I'm not hating on the soundtrack I just think some of the way it's presented in the levels is a little bit repetitive but yeah um What else? Uh, Yeah, the game offers collectibles in the form of these little character models, which are kind of neat, if a bit pointless. But again, because the design in this game is so pleasing, they're a really nice little addition, um, I suppose. Uh, There's also these little bonus time trial style levels, uh, which definitely add an extra dimension to the campaign. And when I was talking about if you want to be a pro at this, you know, and get get used, you need to be really good with controls... Like, hitting some of these, like, each time trial has, like, a target's time, and some of them I've hit, but most of them I haven't, and even on the ones I didn't, I I was thinking, wow, I thought I just did a pretty flawless run of the time trial, but, yeah, it feels like the margins are incredibly tight, and unless you're... You know, if you you make one wrong button press, I think that's it. You you don't get it. So that's what I mean by you could you can be a pro at this game. You've got to practice them controls, jumping between ability and movement and all this kind of stuff. And timing Kirby's movements. So there is there's a there's a hardcore element to it. Um I'd like to think one day I could maybe hundred percent this, but yeah, we'll see. Um yeah, that's kind of it, I suppose, to summarise, you know, so far, you know, this game has come along at a perfect time for me, um, after so much Elden Ring, Halo, Forza, and other kind of like high-octane, intense games, Kirby is uh, its a bit of a step back in pace, uh, a brighter step up in style and visuals, and it kind of just brings a simple but wide-ranging... Uh, you know, sensibility to its platform uh, gameplay. Uh, And uh, yeah, I can definitely see myself wanting to 100% this. It looks like it will be within my reach. Uh, Some of those time trials are gonna be dicey. But yeah, once I finish the game, I think uh, I'll consider giving it a final score or a definitive recommendation. I mean, I I could recommend it now, but yeah, I'm not gonna score it until I finish it. For now, let's just say it's, yeah, it's getting a big thumbs up from me. It's definitely scratching my itch of having a game that, You know, I can I can play this in in the evenings and relax, uh, which I quite like. Um, Yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing what else lies ahead. Okay, so I'm going to wrap this up now. Uh, Yeah, that's going to be it for me today. I will be back uh, next time with some more Nintendo stuff. Uh, I'm just, I'm working on ideas for segments and going to hopefully try to structure it a bit more. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed my first reactions to Kirby. If you're playing it, please come and let either Eric or myself know on Twitter, um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, for now though, I'm going to pass the baton back to Silior, and I'll see you guys next time.
0: Thank you, KDB, for that contribution there. Um, so, yeah, big thumbs, thumbs up for Kirby in the Forgotten Land from him. That's great. So, um, yeah, I've also been playing a lot of Elden Ring, so it's nice to have a game that is kind of the opposite of the spectrum, where it's, a, it's for the most part, pretty chill. It can be difficult, but at the same time, you don't feel like you're constantly running on adrenaline while playing it. So, yeah. That's that's great to hear. I, myself, um, as he mentioned, probably haven't played a Kirby game since the days of the NES or the Game Boy. But um, my sister would always, one of my sisters would always pick Kirby when we're playing Super Smash Brothers. So I had three characters that I would normally pick. One of my sisters would play as Pikachu every single time. And then another one would always pick kirby um the other one that lived with us didn't really care she's not much of a gamer but yeah that's that was pretty much my entire exposure to kirby so yeah it's good to know that even if you're not really um well versed in the kirby universe you can play this and do fairly well so good deal Alright, so let's get into sales and deals. I'm not going to mention all of them, but I'm going to give you kind of a, a synops- like brief synopsis of what is on sale right now. So we got a big um, sale on 11-bit studios. Right now you can save up to 95% on these games. Uh, the biggest one that I'm seeing that I recognize is Children of Morta. So uh, if you wanted to get the complete edition, it is uh, 60% off right now. And there is also a deal on the DLC for this, so cool. Um, I guess Moonlighter is also part of that studio, so the complete edition is less than $6. And the 95% uh, that I mentioned earlier is for this War of Mine. It is $2, so definitely check that out. Uh, we got some other deals here. Um, I should mention really quick that that 95% off sale on 11-Bit Studios is up through 11 59 on April 16th, so you got a bid on it. Um, let's see, we also have uh, some deals on... Um, Looks like Ubisoft, so we got Assassin's Creed: The Ezio Edition. That's uh, thirty dollars right now. Immortals: Phoenix Rising is fifteen. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is seven fifty. So if you want to get the Rebel Collection, that's fourteen seventy nine. Same with Assassin's Creed Three. So we also got some uh, board game type games. So we got Family Feud, Monopoly, Uno, South Park, uh, Stick of Truth, as always. Um, which that means the other game is on sale um, Ocean's horn 2 so if you get this before um, April 6th at eleven fifty nine, you save um, Ocean horn uh, 25% on ocean's horn 2 or if you already own ocean's horn 1 you get 35% off of that So you got a couple of days left on that. We got a Sega sale going on so there's an Ultimate Sonic bundle that's thirty bucks. Uh, the Sega Genesis Classics Collection. I cannot talk right now. Uh, Sega Genesis. <laughs> Sega Genesis Classics Collection. I'm gonna leave that in because that's funny. Um, yeah, a bunch of Sonic games are on sale. Um, that also includes Mario and Sonic at the Olympics. Uh, we got some uh, Persona game, Persona Five Strikers. Um, that's on sale. Um, let's see what else we got. Super Monkey Ball, that's on sale. There's also a bundle with uh, Sonic Team Sonic Racing. Let's see. Uh, I'm not really seeing anything else of note in the Sega Genesis, uh, or the Sega collection. Um, well, yeah, there's also Shinobi. So, yeah, I, I don't really see anything else of note as far as... So, as far as what I've been playing lately, I haven't been playing a whole lot uh, due to real-life stuff as far, and also other games, uh, Elden Ring, as KDB also mentioned. Um, I did play a little bit of Super Mario Tennis um, on the Nintendo Switch online service. It's part of the N64 games. So, when I was in college, a group of us would get together on Thursday nights and we would uh, play some video games and we would also play uh we would jam together we'd play guitar and sing and all that Um, it was really cool it's one of the first times i ever played guitar with other people and um yeah one of the games we the the house had an n64 and we would play a couple of games regularly on rotation we would play the original super smash brothers and we would play mario Tennis. So, um, yeah, since this game was part of the N64 Switch library, I wanted to play a little bit and see um, how well it holds up. And, yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. But other than that, I haven't really been playing a whole lot on my Nintendo Switch. There are a bunch of games that I need to play. I need to finish uh, Skyward Sword. I need to finish uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus and uh, Brilliant Diamond. Um, But the fact that the... uh, the uh, gen 4 remakes and pokemon legends arceus are getting pokemon home support that's really going to help with that so i will be playing more of that soon Uh, but yeah that's really all i've been playing as far as nintendo goes so let's uh, talk about what we are here for today and that is nintendo power So let's talk Nintendo Power. So Nintendo Power was a video game news and strategy magazine that uh, was from Nintendo of America. And the first issue came out in August of 1988. And this ran all the way through December of 2012. So it had 285 volumes. And the first uh, issue had a cover that was... Super Mario 2, um, which of course was the American or the uh, non-Japanese version of Super Mario 2, but it, um, yeah, the magazine had a really good long run and now it's been turned into a podcast that started at the end of 2017, but yeah, it was, it, this mainly ran in North America, um, I guess didn't really see the light of day in Japan but it started as a newsletter uh, that was called Nintendo Fun Club that was actually free and this was started by Howard Phillips who basically did the uh, Nintendo Fun Club himself Uh, but it was discontinued after seven issues in favor of Nintendo Power Um, which I can imagine if he's doing all that for free. Not to mention the fact that it grew a crazy amount. Um, but yeah, it focuses heavily on uh, game strategy, reviews, and previews of upcoming games. And this is how I got through some games. I'm not going to... Yeah, like I said at the beginning of the episode, uh, this the height of this was mainly pre-what the internet is today. So you didn't have online walkthroughs. YouTube didn't really start uh, becoming big until the mid-2000s, like 2006-2007. So you didn't have stuff like that to help you through video games. So the main way that we learned about the tips and tricks of all these games was either the playground with your friends, and a lot of that stuff was rumor, or you got Nintendo Power and Nintendo Power had a lot of maps it would tell you where hidden items are it would have codes that you could use Uh, so yeah there were several games that this gave me an edge for another uh, thing that is a result of the internet not really being what it was was uh, you got to learn about upcoming games which um otherwise you probably wouldn't know about. Yeah, there were TV commercials and things like that, but this uh, was a way to learn what was coming up in the next year or so, and it was really cool. It, It added a lot of excitement to things. And another feature that the magazine had were comics that also Uh, Gave you secrets to games. And I mentioned in the last episode uh, with Nestor's Funky Bowling, the game that was on uh, the Virtual Boy, that he came from a comic from Nintendo Power called Nestor's Adventures. And this is true, but the comic actually started out as a comic called Howard and Nestor. Howard, I'm guessing, was named after Howard Phillips. And Nestor was kind of this edgy teenager um, and he was kind of the focal point of the comic strip. One uh, feature of this magazine was also uh, ratings and reviews and basically what these were were there is a, a top 10 of uh, video games that are like the top of the charts. With, but, They also would highlight games, and the people who worked on this magazine would actually play these games and give their ratings and reviews uh, on several different categories, whether it's graphics and uh, design, there's sound, there's, yeah, so just several categories that they would go through and give a review based on their uh, experience with the game, which I thought was really cool. And man, imagine having that kind of job where you can just play these games and give your opinion on it, and it would end up in Nintendo Power Magazine uh, for everybody to see. How do you sign up for that job? That would be awesome. Um, Another feature that they had was contests. And I listened to a uh, podcast that had kind of a round table of people who worked on the magazine. And this this was something I always wanted to win, never did. But there were these contests where you could win a trip to such and such place. Or you could win a trip to be on the set of an upcoming movie. Or things like that and this was really cool Um, kids that would actually win these I mean there were second third prize uh, prize winners also but um, in there were games that um, were of licensed product like Ninja Turtles Um, a lot of the LJN games which honestly aren't the best renowned games out there But a lot of the LJN line of games were featuring licensed characters like Batman, um, a lot of movie characters, and you could win a trip to be on a set. Like I want to say in the podcast, um, this kid got to run around in the uh, Indiana Jones hat from the movie imagine being that good now sometimes these contests wouldn't always pan out so um there was one where you could win a trip to be on the set of the mask 2 well that movie never actually ended up happening so hopefully nintendo power would compensate um another ca- uh, Part of the magazine was fan questions or uh, players questions and they would actually go and answer these questions um, there was a phone number that kids could call for tips um, it was the I think it was a Nintendo hotline something like that so yeah there were also contests to win new upcoming games And another thing that this magazine would do is they would have um, free posters. Um, Sometimes there were free glasses. That uh, I I loved the posters that were in these. Um, Unfortunately, you had the trouble of getting the staples out of them and trying not to rip the poster. There was also a segment called Collector's Corner which is where they highlighted different Nintendo related merchandise. Um, that was always cool to see. It always made you drool and wish that you could have that kind of stuff. Um, there was a reader's most wanted section, which was the top uh, five wanted games voted by the readers. Uh, there's the bestest video game moments, which was like the best things that were happening in video game. Uh, video gaming, uh, there was um, Power Profiles, which is a lengthy, lengthy interview with one of the most uh, prominent people uh, in video game uh, industry. And the first edition was actually an interview with Mr. Miyamoto himself. Uh, there was the playback section, which is a look back at games from classic consoles. This, this kind of thing gets into later editions of the magazine. Uh, which also goes along with the Warp Zone, which is a uh, look back at uh, issues from years in the past. They had the Power Quiz, which is a small three-question quiz with three difficulties. So, yeah, I I really miss this magazine. Uh, just the Not just the nostalgia, but the hype that it would give you because this was one of your main sources of news for uh, the gaming industry pre-internet. After this episode airs, I'm going to be posting a look at some different things that Nintendo Power Magazine has brought us over the years. So check that out on social media. and um, I'll tell you how to find me on social media at the end of this episode, of course. I come to find out from the uh, podcast episode I listened to that ni- the people for Nintendo Power were actually responsible for, for naming some video games and video game characters. I want to say it was Gail Tilden who was Nintendo of America's first VP of uh, brand management in the First editor in chief for Nintendo Power, who was responsible for naming uh, Legend of Zelda a Link to the Past. And she was very proud of that, and she should be because uh, hell of a name for that game. So um, there were some, they talked about some lesser Mario enemies that didn't have names that they were responsible for naming. Toward the end of the podcast, she mentioned that back in the day, Princess Peach was named Princess Toadstool in America, and so I grew up knowing her as Princess Toadstool. I knew Bowser as King Koopa, and they kind of talked about the name change for those characters. I guess Peach was always Peach in Japan. And Shigeru Miyamoto asked them what's wrong with uh, Princess Peach? What's what's her name? Do people in America don't don't like the name Princess Peach? And she's like, no, I don't think so. So that was the reason why she uh, became known as Princess Peach in America. I guess she always was. Um, I don't think we'll find out from them why Dr. Robotnik became Dr. Eggman. Uh, From Sonic the Hedgehog, but who knows? Uh, Nintendo Power also had a staff of artists that would draw the covers as well as artwork that throughout was throughout the uh, Issue so The covers were always amazing for this Um, the first cover of Nintendo Power was claymation um, Which is kind of interesting. I guess the final cover was also claymation as a tribute to that cover uh basically yeah uh, mario back then versus mario now and i guess the there was a very controversial cover that was from uh simon that was of simon belmont and he is holding the severed head of dracula and apparently this cover gave little kids nightmares and angered mothers and Nintendo themselves look back and it's like, yeah, that wasn't good. Um, still, I mean, it's great artwork. So, again, it's all to get you hyped for these games. Um, like, we needed even more reason in a lot of places. Or in a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of instances. And... Um, Certain issues. It wasn't just games that they would hype up. It was new consoles. So Nintendo Power gave us our first look at a lot of new things, uh, not just games but consoles. In uh, volume seven, it, w- it was our first look at the original Game Boy. In issue 20, or in volume 25. It was our introduction to the Super Nintendo, and so on and so forth. Episode 75, uh, I guess, is the first and only Virtual Boy cover. Um, We all know why that didn't last. Um, And at one point in time, the Nintendo 64 was called the uh, Ultra, I think? Ultra 64? Anyway... Um, I think I'm going to wrap this episode up by saying Nintendo Power certainly had its place in time. Um, Times change and unfortunately certain things kind of get lost in the wayside. Um, The internet kind of made Nintendo Power obsolete, but for kids like me. Who grew up in the 80s and 90s probably early 2000s we look forward to it we would go to the store with our parents and in my case i would ask to go to the magazine like the book and magazine section and check out the latest edition of nintendo power unless we're lucky enough to actually have a subscription show up in our mailbox once a month um this was how we got our news and and our entertainment about video game stuff. It was through this magazine and it was how we got through some of these games and how we knew about these secrets in these games. So unfortunately, yeah, it, it, it's just kind of a, a place in history now. Um, I'm, I haven't checked out the Nintendo Power podcast. Um, I probably should at some point, but I just I can't imagine it being the same as flipping through the pages and looking at the maps of levels in these games or reading the Howard and Nestor or Nestor's Adventures comics and looking at what games are topping the charts and seeing the ratings and reviews of games that um, we all know and love. Um, Well, for the most part, some games are uh, a sour point in our history. But yeah, um, that really is it as far as Nintendo Power goes. So I think next episode I'm going to be talking about the broadcast satellite system that I think was exclusive to Japan and uh, see what that's all about. So I'd like to thank the Hive, as always, for sponsoring today's podcast. Uh, thank you, Mr. KDB, for sending in that review for Kirby's uh, Kirby in the Forgotten Land. And if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. The show is at NintinfoP my page is at uh, iangold08 and if you would do me a favor and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, I would much appreciate that and I will read you out on the show. So, anyway uh, I'm going to get out of here and as always, stay tuned for more Nintendo.